Coming today on Negotiate Your Best Life with Rebecca Zung. No one can make you anything. Just remember that. Don't allow anyone, don't give anyone that privilege. I've really, really tried to instill that in my children and I really tried to keep that for myself as well. So the big questions are these. How can we navigate and negotiate every situation in our lives, in our career, in our businesses, in our relationships, and even with ourselves for our own self-worth? In other words, what if you could win every time and have no losers? Let's face it, we're not negotiating just to buy a car or for a pay raise. We are negotiating for living in every aspect of our lives. How can we do that powerfully, successfully, and victoriously? Those are the questions, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Rebecca Song, and welcome to the time where you negotiate your best life. Now, let's talk about what a narcissist's favorite sayings are. Remember that a narcissist likes to devalue, likes to judge, likes to put people down, likes to make sure that they, everyone in the room knows that they're better than you. What's really going on inside a narcissist is that they actually feel smaller than everybody else. They actually have no inner sense of value. They're actually scared. That's the biggest secret of all. You are actually the stronger one. You are actually the more secure one, but they want you to think that you're not. They want to project everything they can on to you. And if you want to know more about how they devalue and deny things, make sure you check out my video on what happens when you catch a narcissist in a lie. Number one is you interrupted me or you didn't let me finish what I was saying. This is a great way for the narcissist to deflect and to make sure that you are devalued. You know, whatever point it is you're trying to make, you interrupted them. And so now the conversation comes back to all about them. They're no longer having a conversation about whatever it is that you were trying to say. It's all about that you interrupted, that you didn't let them finish, that their point was much more important than whatever it is that you have to say. And now you're off on that tangent about that you interrupted, or maybe it's that, you know, they didn't like the tone of what you, how you said it, or that you brought it up then at that point, whatever it is. They're going to come up with some reason that the point that you're trying to make at this moment doesn't have any value because of the way you presented it or how you presented it or when you presented it or that you interrupted or whatever it is. It's a way of actually saying whatever you said doesn't matter right now. The second thing is just because I didn't. So for example, just because I didn't do what you said when you wanted me to. This is 
a way of narcissistic um, manipulation. They're basically trying to make you feel guilty like, oh, just because I didn't do it exactly the way you wanted or just because I didn't do it exactly when you wanted to. Trying to make you feel like you're the controlling one. Trying to make you feel like you're the one who has the issue, like maybe you're the uptight one and you don't want to be uptight person. So you, you, you pull back going, well, I didn't mean that you had to do it right now, or I didn't mean that you didn't do it good enough or whatever. And so now you're suddenly apologizing, which is exactly what they want because they want to turn it back on you. They aren't the ones with the problem. It's you. You're the one with the problem. That's their projection of whatever their issues are have to be projected back onto you. Number three is what about your issues? So when you try to say, hey, you didn't take out the trash or you didn't pick up the kids on time or you said that you would make dinner and you didn't or whatever, some kind of thing, you didn't pay the bill and you said you were going to pay it. When you're pointing out something to them that they did or didn't do and then they turn around and say, yeah, but you also have this, or you said this before, or it's okay because you've done that. So they just turn it around and basically say, hey, because you've done it before, or because you have that issue, let's not talk about me and my problem. Let's certainly not make me take responsibility for anything or or including my behavior because let's talk about you and your problems. The next one is I'm sorry, what more do you want from me? This is called a narcissistic apology. And uh, if you want to know more about whether a narcissist actually apologizes or means it, if they do, make sure you check out my video on does a narcissist apologize and if they do, do they mean it? Because I talk much more about the narcissistic faux apology and what's going on when narcissists actually apologize. But a lot of times what you'll hear is, I'm sorry I couldn't be perfect for you. I'm sorry that you feel that way. I'm sorry it didn't go the way you wanted to exactly. I'm sorry I couldn't be exactly what you wanted. You know, something like that. That's not really an apology. It's actually a manipulation. Again, turning it back onto you because now you're the one who goes, no, I didn't mean that you're not perfect. No, I didn't mean that you... And so now here you are again, assuaging their ego. Back on them, back onto their ego. Get that focus off of you know whatever it is that you want. Let's get it back onto what we need to do to give them narcissistic supply. The next thing they say is, you made me. You made me cheat on you. You made me act irresponsibly. You made me have to move out. You made me have to lose my job. Whatever bad thing is going on that they did, it's your fault. You did it. You made me. If you had been better, if you had been less, if you had been more, if you had been whatever, you made it happen. It's all your fault. It's it's definitely all on your shoulders. 
that this happened, including cheating on you, including, you know, not making enough money or whatever it is that you maybe have an issue with them about. And the last one that I have for you today is you're the only one who thinks that. So, you know, what narcissists often try to do is gaslight you, try to make you feel bad, try to make you feel like you're the only one who thinks that way because, you know, the whole neighborhood thinks that I'm amazing. Because, you know, they've lined up their flying monkeys and especially covert narcissists are really, really good at this. And if you haven't checked out my videos on covert narcissists, now's a great time to do that. What they're really trying to do is make you think that you are nuts, that you're the only one that feels this way about this person. You're the only one who thinks this way about a certain thing that they're trying to convince you of. And so therefore, you're the weird one. You're the oddball. So you go, well, I don't want to be weird. I don't want to be odd. I don't want to be the odd man out. I guess I'll go along since everybody else thinks whatever the narcissist is trying to convince you of. So that's what's going on with that. I've been there. I know the pain. I know the humiliation. I know the feeling of being like, it's time. It is so time to be done with this. You sit down, you have the conversation, and what happens? You know what? You're just too insecure. That's your problem. That's your problem right there. So that's one of the things that you hear, right? Yeah, it's, you know what? It's you. You're too insecure. That's number one. Number two, you're the one. You made me do that. They cheat. They go out. They cheat on you. Your fault. Your fault. You made me cheat. You know why? Because you were too tired. You didn't give me sex. You didn't, you know, whatever. That was why. Your fault. You made me do it. Three, is you're the one who makes me angry. You make me angry. I can't tell you how many times I've heard that one before. They're like angry all the time and you have no idea why they're so angry. Why are they angry? It's out of the air. You've done nothing. You're still there. You're just living your life. And they're just like so filled with anger all the time. You know why? Because they hate themselves. The narcissists just hate, they have this inner hatred about themselves. It's, it has nothing to do with you. Hurt people hurt people and they end up bleeding out all over everybody else and you cannot take that on. You just have to have like this Teflon around you. Just pretend like there's a, a an invisible bubble around you and you don't have to take that on. So the next one is, you made me lie. You made me lie. What is that about? You know what? Don't take that on either because you know they are pathological liars. They lie about everything. They lie about things they don't even need to lie about. And they lie about things that are readily verifiable. That's the other thing that's kind of crazy. It's definitely, you know, mm -mm, but that's what they do. Remember that that becomes your leverage. That becomes your leverage. So when I teach you what to do in my Slay program, which you can check out at joinslay.com, you can use that as your leverage. Next, you provoked me. You know, you're over there just doing nothing and they tell you, you provoked me. I mean, half the time, you know, they say that, you know, you used a crazy tone. Why are you bringing that up now? Because they are very, very easily slighted. They have 
you know, no sense of inner value. They have to get all of their value from external sources. You can't take any of this personally. And one of my very favorite books, which a lot of you know, is The Four Agreements. And one of the agreements that you have to say is I'm not taking this personally because the way people treat other people is directly reflected from the way that they feel about themselves. If they people love themselves and they treat other people great. If they don't, then they treat other people like crap. How they feel about themselves has nothing to do with you. The next one is, you know, you make me angry. You make me. Anything is you make me, even with you, by the way, you make me. No one can make you anything. Just remember that. Don't allow anyone, don't give anyone that privilege. I've really, really tried to instill that in my children and I really tried to keep that for myself as well. All right, next one is you're trying to confuse me. What is this crazy text message that says, hey, honey, loved it last night? with hearts emojis, and you're asking about it, oh, you're trying to confuse me. How am I trying to confuse you when I'm just asking you a question? They're actually trying to confuse you, but they say that back to you. Next one is, you should have known how I would react. You should have known. Well, how are you supposed to ask the question? Or one of the other things that I love, by the way, which isn't even on this list, is why are you bringing that up now? Why are you bringing that up now? Because they, they never is a good time. The answer is never. You know, when would I supposed to be bringing this up? Never. The answer is never, <laughs> right? But that's not a blame shifting thing. That's, that's for something else. You should have known. You should have known. So it's you. Back to you, your problem, your, your thing. You know, this is blame shifting. These are blame shifting phrases. And then the next one is, you know, you're PMSing. Are you sick? Are you tired? You look stressed. Everyone else thinks I'm great. You're the problem. You must be the one because everyone else thinks that I'm wonderful. No one else thinks that there's anything. You're the only one. So they put it back on you like that. And let's dive in and unravel the hidden meanings into these phrases. Catchphrase number one, it's all about me. This typical narcissist catchphrase really serves as a constant reminder of their self-centeredness, right? For example, a narcissistic friend who always redirects that conversation back to themselves. And it was really interesting how they can always figure out a way to direct the conversation back to themselves. I mean, even if you're talking about the weather or something, it somehow ends up talking back. It's like back on them somehow. It's so crazy how they can get it back to themselves. They never allow somebody to share their own experiences. You know, if, if somebody says, let me tell you about my amazing day, or let me tell you about what I went through or anything, somehow it comes back to, let me tell you about me. Let me tell you about what I went through. Let me tell you about what I'm looking at. You know, even even if you just say, how do I look? What's my hair look like? Whatever. I mean, somehow it has to get directed back to them. What I mean by this is this catchphrase reflects on their belief that their thoughts, their ideas, their needs take priority over everyone 
else. You know, what's amazing to me is you can just, you can even say something like, I'm sad. And somehow they take that as a, a personal affront to them. Why is this about you? You're mad at me. Suddenly they can't have you have a moment about you. They've got to have something about themselves, it, a lashing out at you. That's um, number one. Number two is I'm the best. I'm the best. This boastful phrase is a grandiose display of their inflated ego. They might say things like, I'm the top performer, or I'm the best. But, you know, this is not something that, you know, it's okay to say that I have achieved something, you know, and, and that's okay if somebody has achieved something and, and wants to share that, especially if they are sharing it to demonstrate credibility in a field, that's all right. But if they're saying it as perceived superiority over other people to basically say, I'm better than other people and I should have everybody else's admiration, and especially if it's not even true, that is going to be a problem. All right. So that's number two. Number three is you should know better. They employ this phrase in a multitude of ways. I didn't have that problem. Oh, I can't believe that you did that. Oh, I would never have done it that way. You know, especially when you know, you might have slipped up and they didn't, or if they're blame shifting and redirecting attention away from themselves. If they had a boss, if you have a boss who's criticizing an employee for making a mistake that was actually their mistake, and they're trying to make it seem like it wasn't their mistake, they will blame shift it onto somebody else. You know, you should have known better than to trust my judgment on that or to trust my mistakes, you know, my my instructions. Or I can't believe you messed up again. You know, by highlighting somebody else's flaw or mistake, they attempt to assert their superiority over somebody else and evade accountability for their own actions. That's decoding catchphrase, top catchphrase number three. And by the way, if you are needing to disarm a narcissist because you're dealing with this, I have phrases for disarming narcissists, which you can get at disarmthenarc.com, which will help you in combating these phrases. So I would definitely recommend that you get them, disarmthenarc.com. All right, the catchphrase number four is that's not my problem. That's your problem, not my problem. You know, when something goes wrong, where are they? They're not going to be there to support you. They're they're barely there to take care of, you know, anything, right? They avoid taking responsibility by uttering this dismissive phrase. They don't care about anybody but themselves. Where are they? They're not there to help with chores or to help around the house. They don't want to help other people. They're very extremely judgmental. They don't want to help significant others when they're sick. Constantly saying it's not their responsibility, but they certainly want other people to take care of them. And they they definitely want to take credit for other people's work. I mean, they're inherently lazy people. And, and then if you do things for them, they're certainly not going to acknowledge all the things that you did for them. 
they don't want to give you any kind of acknowledgement for the good things that you did for them. You know, if they messed up or whatever, oh well, you know, so, but they'll say, that's not my problem. You should figure it out on your own. So this catchphrase allows for them to distance themselves from any potential consequences and place the burden solely on others and reinforcing their self-centered mindset. So that is catchphrase number four. The next one is catchphrase number five, which is you're wrong. You're wrong is a... They love this one because they love to find out that you're wrong and they're right. They love to belittle and invalidate others. Imagine that, you know, there's somebody who's constantly friend or a colleague or a spouse who's constantly looking to undermine your opinions and ideas. They, you know, they might say things like you don't understand anything. You know, you never get anything. You're, you're, you're way off base. Your perspective is completely way off. Um, you're misremembering things. This catchphrase is a, a number of different versions of your wrong, but it's, you know, it's meant to control people, undermine people, undermine their confidence and reinforce their sense of superiority. So that's catchphrase number five. They're so delightful, aren't they? Catchphrase number six is that won't work. Narcissists love to use this one to invalidate ideas presented by other people. So, you know, for example, you have a colleague who shoots down every suggestion that somebody else might bring up in a team meeting. You know, like even if it's a good idea, you know, they're just like immediately knee jerking everything to shoot down um, other people's ideas. They, they don't even have any other good ideas. They don't even have any other alternatives. But it's just like, if it's your idea, the answer is a no. And, you know, they might say things like, it's a terrible idea. We tried that before, it didn't work. And they just dismiss any other suggestions because, you know, they just don't want you to have the idea. They assert their perceived expertise and superiority by maintaining their control over conversations and their idea, their sense of intellectual dominance or intellectual dominance. So that is catchphrase number six. And the last one, the last one is trust me, which you should never do, (laughs) of course. And by the way, if you are dealing with this and you need additional support, you need to join my free private Facebook group, Narcissist Negotiators with Rebecca Song, for sure. But this one is, you know, it seems innocuous, but this is also a very big warning sign. And they use it to manipulate others into accepting their versions of the events without considering alternative perspectives. I mean, it's really a gaslighting phrase. It's a way of gaslighting. So, you know, it's a manipulation. It's, you know, trust me. Trust me that this is the way it happened. Trust me. Trust me the way you're remembering things is wrong. (laughs) You know, trust Trust me that that's the way the conversation went, or, or trust me that your advice is is not the way it happened, or trust me that your perception is faulty. You know that sort of thing, and, and it's a way to distort narratives and silence dissenting voices and reinforce the distorted um, narratives that they want to reinforce. 
All right. So we've decoded these catchphrases. We've decoded them with examples. And, and that way we've been able to gain a deeper understanding into the manipulation tactics employed by these narcissists. And it's important. It's important to be able to do this because you want to be able to recognize the patterns. You want to be able to recognize the patterns employed by them, these high conflict individuals, so that you can recognize these patterns. Recognize them if you're going to communicate with them. Recognize them if you're going to go negotiate with them. Be able to help yourself and get the support that you need. Narcissistic phrases used to future fake you. What is future faking for one thing? This is a super common tactic used by narcissists. They future fake you in a lot of different ways. This is to get people to do things. This is like a carrot. And by the way, it doesn't have to just be in a romantic relationship. This could be at work too. But you know, it's basically a promise of a fake future. It's like, I'm not going to have to do anything for you now. It's to do get you to do something later. You know, it reminds me of, it's like, I don't know if Seinfeld is kind of an old show now, but when he was renting a car and he gets to the car place and there's no car. And he says, that's the key. The key to the car is in the holding. And he's like, anybody could just take the reservations. The key is in the holding. Well, that's kind of the same thing here with the future faking. It's like, they'll just take the reservations. They'll just do it, but they don't actually execute, right? They don't actually plan to execute. They just say whatever to get you to, you know, hang on or do the things that they want you to do. And because they lack empathy, they don't really care that they don't plan to follow through. They don't really think about the fact that they might be causing you later hurt, later pain. All they care is the fact that their needs are going to be met in that moment, that they're going to continue to control you. So how it happens is a number of different ways. In a romantic situation, it can be, I'm going to marry you. I'm going to, and if we get married or if we stay together, I'm going to take you on massive trips. Look how many things we have in common. We're going to have this amazing life together. We will have beautiful children. Look at how our life is going to be for the rest of our lives. That sort of thing. That's the love bombing phase. If it's in a work situation, you will have all of the things that you want. We will have breaks all the time. You will get to have all the gender committees that you want to have, or you will have whatever it is that you want. You will get to take the vacations that you want to take. You will get to have the office that you want to have. You get the idea. Future faking. Then after the relationship is over, for example, they might come back, what they call hoover you to try to suck you back in, suck you back in like a vacuum. And this is when they might say things like, I have changed. Wait till you see. I will go to therapy and you will see how different life will be with me now. You will be able to see how much the future will be so much different now. Give me a shot, that sort of thing. 
So, you know, they might ask you to give them another try, dangling more empty promises. And they try to wear you down and wear you down and wear you down like that. If you happen to be in a romantic relationship and you're fighting with them, they might say, you'll see that I will start helping around the house more. I will start doing the laundry more. I will start bringing in more income. I will start spending more time with you. I will plan date nights. They might even do these things for a week or a two, two or a month or six months or whatever it is. Do they actually mean them at the time that they say them? I don't know, but they certainly don't ever follow through. For a job situation, if you are looking around They might entice you to stay by promising you certain things and then you plan to stay and then they don't follow through. They might also entice you by having you talk about things that you want to do or just in general future things like that. The whole idea of it is to string you along to try to control you It's a manipulation tactic that they don't necessarily ever plan to follow through on. And then you feel misled down the road when you try to hold them to these things. Then they end up lashing out at you. They end up angry at you. They'll actually end up turning the tables on you saying, well, then you didn't do this or you didn't do that. They will end up wanting to change the subject. They'll end up saying that there were other things that were at play. They're not certainly going to want to be held to whatever it was. And it'll end up being a conversation that'll be had over and over again. And the bottom line is that as far as they're concerned, you stayed anyway. And so they will not feel like you leaving is ever a threat anyway, because the more you stay, they don't feel like they have to future figure with that particular thing anymore anyway. And here's the thing I want you to recognize. It is a form of abuse. It is definitely a form of manipulation. It is definitely something that you need to recognize as a symptom of narcissism, for sure. This is not a sign of a healthy relationship. This is a relationship that is out of integrity. You know, a person who is in integrity sits down with you and says, yes, I care about you and I want to do these things for you and then sticks to their promises and does these things and wants to be in healthy relationship and in healthy communication with you. People who continue to work together. If you're not continuing to see that from a person, then this is not a person who is listening to you. And that means that this is something that you need to take a hard look at. That means that you need to maybe take a look at other symptoms, other things that might be going on. And You might need to get some help and support in other ways. In a relationship with a narcissist, they have this playbook for whatever reason. All narcissists seem to go through this playbook. It is... It starts with something called love bombing, which if you've been around the block enough to know, you know that love bombing has 
absolutely nothing to do with love. It is just this this phase that they go through where at the beginning, they're kind of wooing you. They are conditioning you. They're they're getting you into their web, their, their lair. They're starting the process of the relationship and checking you out to see if you're going to be a good source of narcissistic supply, which is anything that feeds that emptiness inside of them. And, you know, I want you to understand that I'm not saying that a narcissist is necessarily a bad person, but they do bad things. You know, you can become a target for that. You can become a victim to that. You know, hurt people do hurt people. You know, that old adage is correct. Adages are adages for a reason, right? Then they, they, they move into a phase. The next phase is called the devalue phase. And what that phase is, is when they move into that phase, which happens very quickly, by the way, that's when they, what, you know, they've made the deposits. They want to take the, the withdrawals now. And, and that's when they want to start feeding their ego in a different way. And what that looks like is, Controlling you, devaluing you, debasing you, degrading you, controlling you, manipulating you. You know, love bombing is a form of manipulating as well, but this is a different form of manipulation. And so I want to give you in this video six different phrases that are actually soul sucking and really start hitting you at your core. And they can really kind of come out of left field because especially if you've been only in that love bombing phase, that goo goo gaga phase where it's all rainbows and unicorns and you're thinking that this is the the love of your life and you went from this is your soul mate to this person is soul sucking you, it really can really take the life out of you and knock the wind out of you and make you feel like it's the worst thing in the world that that's happening and 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 it leaves you craving like as if you are craving a drug it leaves you desperate for what happened to the love bomber what happened to this person who was my soulmate what happened to the person who was saying that I was the most beautiful person they had ever met or the person who completed them or the person who they couldn't live without. What happened to that person? What happened to the person who said, I was the most important person, the most amazing, incredible person on the planet? Where did that person go? And so you spend all your time searching, 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 desperate for getting that person back. I know they're in there somewhere. Where? Where are they? And it it's this never-ending struggle because, you know, in some ways you never get that person back. You never get back to that standard, that gold standard that you you had at the very beginning of the relationship, but you're, you're desperate to find it. I mean, there are moments that you get there because, you know, that what happens is when you go from love bombing to devaluing, it, they do go back to love bombing from time to time because it's never all bad. It's never love bombing, devaluing, and then discarding. It's not linear. It's not, it's not all in a row. Because if it were all bad all the time, you would never stay 
you know, they're smart enough to use love bombing in a very strategic way. They know when to bring it back, when to pull it back off the shelf and use it to their advantage. And, you know, if you think, oh, you know, I'm out of here. I'm not taking this anymore. I'm gone. Well, then they'll be back. They show that side of them again. And you go, well, maybe, maybe I should, you know, so, but I just want you to recognize these soul sucking phrases that narcissists use to devalue you so that when they come out, when you start to see them, you can start to go, uh-huh, I see that. Because when you start to get that lens, when you start to have that that distance between it, and you can start to look at it almost as an observer, it really can start to help you. And you can start to go, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, what's going on here? Maybe this isn't me. Maybe I'm not so terrible. Maybe I'm not the one who has all the problems like they're trying to say, you know, maybe I know they're trying to blame everything on me, but maybe it's not all me. You know, maybe there is something going on here that's beyond that. And it can help you. It can help you to heal. It can help you to gain perspective. It can help you to start to plan. And it can help you to actually start to create some boundaries and start to get your strategies in place and start to negotiate from a much stronger point of view, which is what I help you do. I help you negotiate. I help you get your ducks in a row so that you can become stronger, so that you can become the most powerful version of yourself. Because the most important thing to me, frankly, is that you become the most powerful version of yourself. And that you find who you are and that you ultimately believe in yourself as the most incredible being that you are, the most divine connected soul that you are and and realize that and become all that you're meant to be because that's what we're all here to do. And then support each other in that endeavor, okay? Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store from accepting payments to managing inventory. Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive your store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business, take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or Shopify's POS Go Mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash bestlife, all lowercase, Go to shopify.com slash best life to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash best life.
This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What's the hardest thing for you to take time to do in a day? I know for me, it's anything related to self-care, yet I know it's something I need to do the most. Taking that time to work on my mental health is so important. And that's why I know so many years ago that therapy was one of the best decisions of my life. It's truly been a game changer for me. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, I seriously encourage you to try BetterHelp. It's, it's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient. It's flexible and it's suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire. You get matched with a therapist that's perfect for you and you can switch at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Just visit betterhelp.com slash negotiate today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash negotiate. So number one, the number one soul-sucking phrase that a narcissist uses to devalue you is you're overreacting. You're overreacting. And this is where it starts to come out because you start to realize, hey, things aren't happening the way I thought they were. You know, what's going on here? I just saw something that I shouldn't have seen or I saw text that wasn't kosher or I saw an email that didn't look right or I saw something that was out of whack or something that's out of sync. What What's up with that? In reaction to you calling them out on that, on a lie that they told or a partial lie or a withholding of information or something, it's usually in reaction to you finding something out about them. They'll say you're overreacting because they, they don't want you to think you're the one who's crazy, even though... What's really has happened is you have figured it out. So number two is similar to that. You're delusional. You know, similar as you're crazy, you're a narcissist, you're insane. You know, all similar reactions to projection, deflection, lies, denies, all of that is because they're pushing it back on you when whatever it is that they've done wrong is over there and they don't want to be caught. So they push it off on you or someone else. But these are phrases that they use to devalue you. And they end up being soul-sucking because you know eventually you're crazy, you're delusional, there's something wrong with you. It, it ends up eating away at you eventually. And if you hear it long enough and you you have to live with it long enough. Number three is, I don't know what I ever saw in you. I mean, when you get to that, it starts to be really, really soul-sucking. Really, really soul-sucking. Number four is you're too sensitive. You're too needy. This is where you start to see them pulling away, especially when it started off where they were emailing you or texting you 50,000 times a day and you were matching them and trying to even keep up. And then all of a sudden they're ghosting you or emailing less or, or not at all. And now all of a sudden you're too clingy or too needy just because you want them to respond at all. 
And you're thinking, you're just so surprised and shocked by that. And you're thinking, what the heck is going on here? I thought this is what we were doing. This is what we've been doing for the last several months. What are you talking about? And then they're acting like you're the one who's crazy. And then you might get, you're, you're overreacting, you're delusional out of that too. And it's, it's all insane. And then you're like, I'm crazy. I'm delusional. Why are you calling me names? Oh, now you're too sensitive. You know, the whole thing's all a huge, big ball of craziness at that point. So that's number four. Number five, you know, becomes, I don't know if I want to be with you anymore, devaluing you even more. Now we're getting into potentially even discard phase. We go into that next. I mean, now, now you just start to think, I'm not the crazy one. You just have to keep reminding yourself of that. It's not you. You are okay. I'm good. I'm good. I'm a good person. Sometimes it's so hard for you to say that about yourself. How many times have you ever said that about yourself? Sometimes it's it seems so foreign to even think that about yourself. You might think, oh, that's a narcissistic thing to say. It's not a narcissistic thing to say you're a good person. You you need to start to believe in your heart that you are a good person. Otherwise, narcissists can come along and start saying bad things about you and you believe it. Number six, they're going to start to say things like this. You're not attractive. You're not smart. You're not funny. They, they literally will start saying things like that. Or even worse, you're stupid, you're dumb, you're ugly, you're fat. Some of the things that I've heard narcissists say to people, I can't even put in this video, but you get the idea. Those are really soul-sucking phrases that narcissists use to devalue you. And I saved those for last because they're the worst ones and they're really soul-sucking, you know, shaming you, shaming you. And, you know, they'll, they'll say things that are absolutely horrible. There's even worse ones, you know, where they'll say things about you're just like your mother, you're just like your father, you're just like the worst person that you know, you're just like the person that you hate, your family member that you hate, you know, because they know how to get you. They know how to get to you. They know what your Achilles heel is and you just can't listen to them. Coming up, more on Negotiate Your Best Life with Rebecca Zong. There's no one else on the planet for you, and there's no one else on the planet for them. It was destiny. It was fate that you were put on this planet for the purpose of meeting them and vice versa. Everything has aligned for that purpose. And you really do believe that at the beginning. Are you struggling with a narcissist in your life, whether it's a family member, a friend, a business partner, a soon-to-be ex, whoever it is, are you ready to shift that power dynamic, but you're just feeling like you cannot win, like everybody is believing their lies, and you're just feeling like there's just no way that you can shift that power dynamic. I've got a brand new masterclass for you. I'm sharing all my secrets, and so that you can finally take back your power and break free from this hell emotionally, physically, 
physically and spiritually. I've never done this free masterclass before. Go to Break Free From Hell and sign up. Come be with me and get my secrets so that you can finally take back your power and break free. Break free from hell and let's do this. Take a listen to our archive where you can listen to more episodes that show you the path to how to negotiate your best life. Don't allow yourself to be triggered. Take a beat. Take a minute. Scream in the shower. Yell in your pillow. Punch the your pillow. Do whatever you need to do. Don't let the narcissist see you upset. And now we return to today's show. And let's talk about the seven narcissist responses when you want to discuss something important. So number one is this isn't a good time. This isn't a good time or something like that. This isn't a good time. Why are you bringing that up now? You know, basically they want to change that subject. They want to, they want to pivot. They want to get away from it. They want to deflect because, you know, let's just say you say something like, I found a text message or something suspicious is going on or I figured out that you're lying about something or why didn't you do this thing that you said you're going to do whatever it is or I'm feeling like I want to talk about my feelings or or whatever it is that they don't they're not comfortable with this is going to be why are you bringing that up now? You know, whatever it is. Then when you start to say, you, you, you start to take that bait. You start to go down that path. They, they went fishing and you took the bait. Well, why isn't it a good time? When would be a good time? I'm bringing it up now because, you know, we both work during the day and we just are now home and we just had dinner and this would be the only time that I would have to talk to you about it. Well, I am tired now and I can't talk to you now. That's when they start to say other things, you know, and, and so it, it, it's, it's just constantly, you know, deflecting, deflecting, deflecting. So that's number one. Number two is they just play dumb. I don't know what you're talking about. I have no idea what you're talking about. You know, you'll ask them about the same text message or, you know, let's just say I, I saw something on your phone that looked suspicious and or an email or something, or I saw a paper laying out and I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. That doesn't make any sense to me, you know, whatever. They just play completely dumb. And, and, you know, of course that's a form of gaslighting. It's supposed to make you think that you're crazy because of course, whatever it is that you're asking them about, of course it looks suspicious. I mean, it might be like, miss you with heart emojis or something like that. And they'll back like, I don't even know what you're talking about. So that's number two. Number three is you're just delusional. You're crazy. You don't know what you're talking about. You don't know 
what you're seeing, you're blowing things out of proportion, you're out of control. Now it's all on you. You're the one who's crazy. You're the one who's just out of your mind. And that's another narcissistic response when you want to discuss something important. Once again, it's it's deflecting, but this time it's going to be projecting it onto you, projecting it onto you. And, you know, instead of taking your feelings and taking them into consideration, you know, a, a regular reasonable person, just to contrast this, a regular reasonable person would sit down with you, would have a conversation with you, listen to your concerns, I hear what you're saying. I understand your concerns. I, I can see why you would think that this would seem suspicious, but this is what's actually going on. You know, something to that effect. But, you know, a narcissistic person goes right after you. You're crazy. You're delusional. You're insane. You know, they might even accuse you of being the narcissist or, and then, you know, something to that effect. Number four is your yelling. I can't talk to you when you're yelling. And and by the way, they'll say this even if you're whispering. You could be saying, I want to talk to you about this suspicious email, or I need to talk to you about my feelings, or I want to have this conversation with you now about what's going on in our relationship and how we are struggling to communicate. Or if it's a business partner, you might say, you know, I wanted to talk to you about the assignments, things that you had said that you were going to be accomplishing and they, they haven't been done yet. Oh, you're yelling at me. I can't talk to you when you're yelling. This is not a productive conversation when you're yelling at me. And then you say, I'm not yelling at you. Nobody was yelling at you. And then they say, uh, you were yelling. And, and, you know, and now you get into this whole thing about who was yelling and who wasn't yelling. Then this is where you're going because what they're doing is they're trying to make sure you don't ever get to the point. And number five is actually related to number four, which is you're interrupting me, even if you didn't. So number four was you're yelling, even if you were whispering. And number five is you're interrupting me, even if you didn't. So you can say, I wasn't yelling. And like, oh yeah, you did. And then number five is you're interrupting me, even if you didn't. And most of the time, they're the ones who are interrupting. And you can you can say, but you were interrupting me. And they will insist that you interrupted them. And the whole point of all of this noise and chaos and this whole ridiculous conversation is just to make sure that you never got to the point. And then they'll start to say things like, we need to record these conversations because I can't talk to you because... You're the one who lies and you're lying now and you're lying about this conversation and how can we ever have a conversation because you're lying about who was yelling first and who was interrupting and all of that noise, all of that noise 
is meant to take away from making sure that you never get to your point in the first place because you're trying to discuss whatever it is that you wanted to discuss and they don't want you to ever get there, right? That's number five. Number six, number six was, oh, there you go. We were having a perfectly wonderful evening, a perfectly great day, and you had to go and ruin it. You know, you had to go and bring it down with your your energy or your bad vibes. You know, you had to go and mess with it. You know, why do you have to go and do that all the time? You know, we were, everything was great. And then you had to come along and bring us all down and bring me down, you know, and just kind of like guilt trip you because you wanted to bring up something about what's going on, about your feelings, about whatever it is that was important to you or important to the relationship or important to even, you know, if it's business or personal, it doesn't matter. Something that was important that needed to be discussed instead of addressing it, instead of allowing you to address it, they'll just say, oh, there you go. Bringing something up, messing with the day, bringing us down once again, you know, to try to make you feel bad, to try to guilt you. And, but then of course, there again is something to say to not allow you to get to the point. All of these responses are meant to not allow you to get to the point, your point, not allow you to feel seen, not allow you to feel heard, to make sure that you know that you don't matter. Your feelings don't matter. Okay. Because, you know, they're not equipped to feel your feelings and they don't want to have to do that, right? So that's number six. And number seven, number seven is no one else ever asked me these questions. No one else disrespects me this way. No one else ever interrogates me like this. No one else ever does this to me. No one else ever accuses me like this. You're the only one who ever does this. You know, this is the no one else does this other than you syndrome. No one else, everyone else. No one else, everyone else. And that's something that you see quite a bit with the narcissistic phrases to try to make you feel like you're the one who's crazy and isolate you once again. That's why in this video, I'm going to be talking about the five favorite love bombing sayings of narcissists. I do release brand new free content every single day. I'm really, really committed to making sure that you have access to as many free resources as you possibly can, because I want you to be able to take your power back. And in the same spirit of having access to free resources, I also have in another free resource for you, which is free phrases for disarming narcissists, free phrases for disarming narcissists. And you can just go to disarmthenarc.com, disarmthenarc.com. 
and grab those free phrases for disarming narcissists. It's just little ways to start shifting that dynamic, shifting that power. You know, I, it's, I call it like a power switch for you. Start getting your power back. For this video, I'm going to just go over just some of their favorite phrases. You know, it, it's so interesting that we, we talk a lot about how narcissists have this same sort of playbook, the same sort of, it was, it's almost like they went to narcissist school or something, you know, it's kind of crazy. Narcissist Academy, they all went to Narcissist Academy. You know, they didn't, but one of the things that they would have learned had they gone to Narcissist Academy is how to be super charming, how to appear really amazing and incredible at the beginning, how to, to present themselves so that you will be swept off your feet right from the beginning. Because obviously, you're not going to go running into the arms of this person who's going to turn out to be really, really hurtful, one of the, the most hellish relationships of your life. If they weren't charming and charismatic and personable and, and usually extremely well-groomed and good-looking and, and well-spoken and all kinds of polished and, and all of the things that you want to see in a person. And a lot of times they're using mirror neurons. I mean, that's the thing that you don't even realize is a lot of times they are actually kind of mirroring what you want to see. They're, they're, they're lining up to be exactly what you wanted in a person. The first thing that they're going to say to you is, we're soulmates. Where have you been all of my life? Because they want to you to believe that they're that one person, that one person for you. And you are that one person for them. There's no one else on the planet for you. And there's no one else on the planet for them. It was destiny. It was fate that you were put on this planet for the purpose of meeting them and vice versa. Everything has aligned for that purpose. And you really do believe that. At the beginning, there's like this, that whole Jerry Maguire thing that you complete me. And they kind of say things like that too. The next thing that they'll say is we're perfect for each other. You know, so they'll, they'll start to look for all the things that you have in common. Even if, you, you know, you might find out down the road that maybe you don't have all those same things in common but they'll they'll make it sound like you do at the beginning so you know it's and it's not like chocolate ice cream you both like chocolate ice cream it's like big things wow we both had this major trauma in our childhood and we both really believe this in spiritually and we both have this sort of thing in our history. We both had massive problems with our exes. These are massive, huge things that you end up finding. And that's why we're perfect for each other. Uh, And so then the next thing that they'll say is, let's get married right away. 
or let's move in together right away. You know, let's jump into this thing right away. You know, within a few weeks, within a few months, sometimes within a few days, it'll be right away that they want to lock in that relationship. You know, I want to meet your family. I want to meet your kids if if you have kids. I want to be to that next level as soon as possible. And these are these are also massive red flags. The kinds of things that they're saying, these 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 love bombing sayings are also massive red flags. Red flags, the bells in your head should be going off and the hairs on the neck should be standing straight up because as good as it feels to have somebody tell you how amazing you are that you know you are so gorgeous or handsome or beautiful and intelligent and smart and all the things this is a huge these are huge red flags All right. The next one is I've never met anyone like you before. You are so special. You are so different. You are so incredible. You are so unique. This is where, again, you're the exact right person for me. No one else is. No one else understands me the way you do. I know that no one else understands you the way I do. That's why we were meant for each other. That's the next one. And then the last one, so premature and so quick and so, again, inappropriate. And yes, it might feel good, but not appropriate. This last one, I love you. I mean, I've heard narcissists that will say, I love you to people before the first date. And they'll say, I just know, I just knew you're the right one. I just knew. If you have some kind of wounding within you because you had a lot of trauma in your growing up and you just want to feel loved by somebody and you're just craving that, it feels so good to have somebody come along and say, you're amazing. You're unique. I see you. You matter. You're beautiful. I love you. You're special. I want to meet everyone in your world. I want to be a part of you. I mean, how can you not want that? Of course. But the problem is it feels so good. And then they rip it from you almost immediately. And as good as that feels, it feels so much worse when they start ripping it from you. So much worse. So it is so much better to recognize it on the front end and go, no, I'm resisting. I'm resisting this drug. I got I to gotta say no. Just say no. I, I recognize what's going on here and this is not for me. I'd rather have a healthy relationship. All right. So let's talk about talking to narcissists. I mean, communicating with narcissists can be so confusing and so frustrating. And that's really at best. At worst, they're like literally traumatizing and abusive. And 
And they use this manipulative code to try to confuse you and try to start making you think that you're crazy. And there's lots and lots of terms for it gaslighting, word salad, projection, deflection, denial, all of those kinds of things, because they're trying to protect this fragile little self that they have inside. And a lot of people are like, oh man, I don't see that at all. Um, Because it, it just seems like they are so powerful and strong and confident all the time. But that's what they want you to believe. They want you to think that that's what's going on. But what's really going on is that they are really scared. I mean, that's the big um, scam that they have going on. It, and, you know, that you are actually the more powerful one. You are actually the one that they're afraid of and they don't want you to know that. So they they construct this whole thing to make it look like they are the powerful one and you're not. I, I always think back to The Wizard of Oz because to me, The Wizard of Oz is such a perfect uh, analogy of what's going on with being uh, with narcissists, right? I mean, how this guy constructed this huge thing in Emerald City and Oz and you go see him and it's the great and powerful Oz and everybody's scared and running away. And they, they, they're going to this person to try to get home or find their brain or find their heart or find their courage, all those things. And they, they pull back the curtain and it's this feeble old little man who's scared and whatever. And they find out that they actually had all those things to begin with, but they didn't believe that they did. And, and there was the wicked witch there with the flying monkeys. It was like the whole thing, right? So it's it's very much like what it is to deal with narcissists. And by the way, if you want to know more about flying monkeys, definitely check out my video on that topic. I have a whole bunch of videos on kind of narcissism 101. So definitely check out those videos if you're not familiar with some of these terms. Uh, So anyway, when you're trying to talk to narcissists, you got to remember that you can't interact with them as if they are a reasonable person because they're not reasonable people. They are narcissists. They're for themselves. They can't see the world the way reasonable people do. They're not even incentivized by that. They're only incentivized by narcissistic supply. They're not incentivized by having a reasonable person conversation and 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 trying to come to a resolution and trying to find some common ground. That's not what they're incentivized by. They are motivated and incentivized by grasping as much narcissistic supply as they possibly can. Uh, and and by the way. That's something that I also have a video on. But they're they're basically vampires trying to suck as much supply out of you. You know, they they literally suck the blood out of you, the energy out of you. You feel like completely depleted. Okay, so let's talk about this things that you should stop saying to them right now. One of the things you should stop saying to them is 
anything that is trying to make them see the error of their ways. You can talk to your blue in the face, and that ain't going to happen. They, even if they see that they lied or that they got caught or they did something wrong or they didn't do something that they were supposed to do or whatever it is, they're certainly not going to admit it to you. I mean, they're going to project, deflect, uh, deny uh, all of the things that they need to do in order to what they think is survive. So don't try to make them see the error of their ways. It's not going to happen. The next thing you should stop saying right now is anything that attempts to make them see how you feel or how you're being impacted or what's going on with you. They don't care about that. They honestly just don't. I mean, it's like noise. It's like the Charlie Brown, blah, blah, blah. I mean, that's what's going on there. I mean, they might hear it. And and then they'll be like future faking right after that, you know, like, oh, um, okay, well, let's just get over it. Let's just move past it. From now on, it's going to be different. You'll see. I'll I'll change. It'll be different. Whatever it is, but they're not going to like really acknowledge your feelings. They're not going to really go, oh my god, I really hurt you. I I, I can't believe I did that. Even if they apologize. The apology is usually a manipulation. I have a whole video on what a narcissist means when they say they're sorry, by the way, too. So definitely check that out. So, you know, just stay away from anything attempting to get them to see how you feel. All right. That's not going to serve you at all. Put your energy elsewhere. Americans spend an average of 90% of their time indoors and take 20,000 breaths a day. And according to the EPA, indoor air is two to five times more polluted than outdoor air, and in some cases, up to 100 times more polluted. And data shows that air pollution is responsible for up to 7 million premature deaths globally. I know for myself, my family has struggled with asthma, and so clean air is so important to us, and that's why having a good air purifier is so important to us. So what's the solution introducing an air purifier that has captured the attention of media outlets such as CNN, Money, ABC, and more, which is Air Doctor, which filters out 99% of air contaminants such as pollen, pet dander, dust mites, mold, and all sorts of things. And it even features a whisper jet fan, which is quieter than all sorts of air purifiers. Air Doctor also comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus shipping. Head to airdoctorpro.com and use the promo code YOURBESTLIFE. And depending on the model, you'll receive up to 39% off or up to $300 off. Exclusive to podcast customers, you will also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value, lock this special offer by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-P-R-O.com and use the promo code YOURBESTLIFE. With HelloFresh, you get farm fresh, pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Forget the grocery store. You can count on HelloFresh to make Everything easy, fun, and affordable, and that's why it's America's number one meal kit. Whether your resolution is to save money, eat better, stress less, HelloFresh is here to help you do all three, and that's why I love their fresh ingredients, their chef-crafted recipes, 
and you'll love the, the delivery right to your doorstep. Everything is farm fresh. Everything comes right pre-packaged to your doorstep. No hassle, no wasted food, and no boredom. You get 45 different recipes to choose from weekly, and you can even add on your market items. They choose, you can, whatever lifestyle you have, keto, whatever it is, you can choose from all of that as well. And what I love is that when it's time for dinner, you just go right to the refrigerator. You can pull it out. And if your spouse likes something different than you like, you can just choose whatever they like, and then you can choose whatever you love. And that's what the, the really great thing is. And especially if you're both working, it's super easy, super convenient, and really, really healthy. So go to hellofresh.com slash negotiate free and use the code negotiate free for free breakfast for life. One breakfast item per box while subscription is active. That's free breakfast for life at hellofresh.com slash negotiate free with the code negotiate free. America's number one meal kit. Um, and the next thing that I want you to avoid saying to them is anything that's going to pull you down into the mud with them. And especially in writing, remember that anything you say in, in, a, in writing, anything you put your hand to, whether it's a, a text, an email, a, a, a note, uh, something on social media, anything you put your hand to is a potential trial exhibit. So if you don't want to see it again, don't write it. Don't hit send, don't hit post, whatever you need to do to stop yourself. Because remember with narcissists, anything you say or do will eventually be used against you. So definitely don't get down into the mud with them. If they call you names, don't, don't call them worse names back. Don't 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 allow them to suck you into that vortex of toxicity. All right? So that's number 3. Number 4 is anything, don't say anything that's going to give away your power. You know, don't say things like you make me feel or because of you I'm this way. And the reason why I want you to stop that right now is because that puts you into victim mode. And you can't be a victim and a victor at the same time. You got to choose one. You, those are two completely different states of mind. And so if you are going to turn this around or when you will turn this around, when you take back your power, you will no longer be saying anything that gives them that power. You know, you just have to say to yourself, you know what? I made a choice to be in a relationship with this person and and this person is, you know, has issues. This is a potentially a very broken person or whatever it is that you want to say about that narcissist in your life and start to take yourself out of that equation and realize that they are who they are and you are who you are and you are a victor. And you are a powerful person. So don't say anything that's going to have you be giving away your power. Watch your words. Your words matter. I always love the fact that in the Bible, 
the very first words were in the beginning, there was the word and the word was God. Be really careful about the words that you say to yourself too, okay? So that's number four. And the last thing I want you to not say to narcissists ever is just flat out no, like right to their face when you're negotiating with them. You, you got to find a way to kind of say, well, okay, I, you know, considering that that's what you want, or I agree that that's what you want. I agree that that's your position. You know, you can say things like when you're agreeing with them, that you're not even necessarily agreeing with them, but they think that you are. They hear the words, I agree. If you say straight up no, then they're going to dig their heels in and that gives them narcissistic supply and you don't get anywhere. You don't get where you want to go. Okay, so now we are going to be talking about 21 gaslighting phrases and 10 gaslighting techniques. This is a favorite of all kinds of narcissists. Whether you are dealing with a covert narcissist, a grandiose narcissist, or a malignant narcissist, all narcissists use gaslighting techniques. What is gaslighting? First of all, let's define gaslighting before we even get into this. Gaslighting is when narcissists are trying to make you think that you're crazy. I think that it's easiest to actually talk about where the term gaslight even came from because I think that makes it kind of easiest to figure out. And it actually came from an old play, which it was also a movie where the husband was trying to make the wife think that she was crazy. And what he would do, he would blow out these gaslights and the wife would say, wasn't that just lit? And he would say, no, no, it wasn't. She would say, I'm pretty sure that was just lit. And he would say, Mm-mm, no. And that's how she he would actually make her question her own mind. And that's what gaslighting is. That's where the term came from. It's to make you question your own mind. So it's basically things that you think you're seeing or things that you think you're hearing or whatever. They make you question your own sense of reality. So it, it happens in many different forms and many different formats, but that's where it comes up. So number one, for example, is I never said that. I never said that. So literally, they will say things like, we'll pay you back on the rent that I borrowed from you on this money. You know, I, I will borrow money from you and then, you know, I'll pay you back. Then you go to ask them for the money back and they'll say, I never said that. I never said that I was going to pay you back or I never said that I was going to pay you back in this way or on those terms, you know, whatever. You know, I never said that. You're over there going, you definitely did. You definitely said that you were going to pay me back. You definitely said you were going to pay me back this weekend or you definitely said you were going to come this weekend. You know that a certain conversation took place and they'll say, I never said that. You know that it happened in a certain way and they'll completely just deny it. And they'll even accuse you of being the crazy one that, you know, that that never took place in that way. And when these kinds of things happen a lot over time, then you really start to question your own mind. 
right? And and it's used to control you. It's used to destabilize you. And when you go to negotiate, especially after you've been with this person for a really long time, and now you're trying to go through the dissolution of a marriage or a dissolution of a partnership or any kind of a negotiation, you know, maybe it's your boss or, you know, any kind of business situation, it's difficult because you're in this mental fog or cognitive dissonance. It's even a a physical thing, you know, can cause autoimmune disorders and all kinds of issues. And, And you're really at a disadvantage sometimes because of that. So that's number one. I never said that. Number two is you're too sensitive. So, you know, they might say something that's just really, really offensive and they know that it's offensive. You know, they'll just say you're too sensitive. So, you know, maybe they'll say something about your weight, or maybe they'll say something about your brain or how you are with numbers or your driving or anything. And, you know, when you take offense to it, they'll say you're too sensitive. And by the way, it's not the same on the other side, right? Because you know how narcissists are. They're so easily slighted at the the wind blowing. I mean, you can have say something and, and they'll take offense at your tone, at your eyes, at nothing. I mean, they'll say, I can't speak to you because you have raised your voice. You interrupted me. They'll say you interrupted me when you didn't even interrupt, you know, so, but they'll accuse you of being too sensitive, even when you weren't sensitive, right? So that's number two. Number three is they'll say, it sounds like you don't really know what you want or what you need, right now. They accuse you of these things because you do know what you want or you do know what you need, but they do these kinds of things because, or they say these kinds of things because they don't want to get into a conversation where you are asking for something or you are needing something. They don't want to have to address your wants. They don't want to have to address your needs. So they actually turn things around to make it so that they make it seem like you're crazy or you're delusional. It's a way of shifting the conversation away from having to address anything about you because they most certainly do not want to have any kind of deep conversations or conversations where they're going to have to be on the hook for having to be there and be available for you. So that's why they'll say things like, you don't really know what you want. You don't really know what you need. They know that you know exactly what you want or what you need. They just don't want to have to provide it to you. Okay. So that's number Three. Number four is they'll make a statement and then deny having made that statement. And they, they'll do that in the middle of the same conversation. You know, they'll say something and be having a fight with you. And in the middle of that same conversation, deny that they said something. It's extremely frustrating 
because you you can say you literally just said something and then they'll say, I didn't just say that. Or they'll accuse you of saying something that you didn't say. Oh, you know, you just called me a loser. I never said that, you know, and you can say, I never said that. And oh, I just literally heard you say that. You get into these ridiculous conversations with them, but they say that, right? You know, and they'll, they'll, they'll literally get into these conversations with you or they'll deny proof of something, even if you have proof of its existence. You know, like you can say, you said this and you can show them a text message that they said something and they'll literally say, I didn't say that. I've had this conversation with courts, you know, where I've had a narcissistic attorney on the other side and I've had the transcript where they literally said something in court and they've said they didn't say it. It's absolutely insanity, but they will do that. So that's number four. Number five is don't be so dramatic. It doesn't mean anything. Don't be so dramatic. It doesn't mean anything. You know, this is where you might see a text message that it looks definitely really suspicious, like miss you, or there's, you know, hearts and, you know, something that definitely looks inappropriate or something like that. Or you might see photographs or something that looks inappropriate or behavior that looks inappropriate where they're, you know, having a, a relationship with somebody else that they shouldn't be, anything like that. Don't be so dramatic. It doesn't mean anything. I don't know what you're talking about. You don't know what you're talking about. You're making too much of this you know, things like that. So that's number five. Number six is you're just imagining things. Just go to sleep. You know, we'll talk about it in the morning. They they don't want to have a conversation right now. So they push it off because they, they think that if they push it off, you'll forget about it. It's a conversation that won't have to happen. So, you know, just go to bed. You'll have a clear head later and, you know, just pat you on the head. You're being overdramatic. Just go to sleep, go to bed. We'll talk about it later, you know, that kind of thing. So that's number six, you know, go take a breath, go meditate, take a few days, you know, that sort of thing. Like you're, you're just making too much of it. Go take some time because you're just making so much of this that you probably just need to take some time. So that's number six. And number seven, it's just a joke, you know, or they'll just add ha to the end of something. You know, they'll just say something that's just completely mean, absolutely awful. And then they'll just be like, oh, ha, you know, I know somebody who was like, uh, that was like their signature. They'll say there's something that was absolutely awful and then just add ha to the end of it, which is so horrible. Like they think that was like their get out of jail free card. 
right? Just adding ha to the end of things. Number eight is you're the problem, not me. So, you know, they don't ever want to think that they're the ones that have the problem. Number nine is I don't like when you brought this up or how you brought this up. That is such a classic one. You know, it's that project and deflect, you know, kind of, you know, diversion thing. It's just never a good time. Why did you bring that up now? Why do you bring that up now? And, you know, or I don't like how you brought that up. Your tone was bad. You interrupted me. It's a bad time. It's a diversion thing to put it back on the other person, you know, because then we don't have to actually talk about it. So... That's the whole thing. You know, you, you bring up these suspicious text messages or whatever. It's like, why are you bringing that up now? Or what? I, oh, now I don't like the way your tone, your tone is. Oh, I, now you're interrupting me. Oh, now it's, uh, it's too loud or now it's too hot in the room or whatever it is. You know, it's just, it's all about you. Okay. That's number nine. Number 10 is, okay, let's just forget about all of this. And let's just think about our future. Let's just start over. We've got so many great things ahead of us. We can just think about how many wonderful things. Why are we being negative here? Let's just think about the positive future. It doesn't doesn't help us to dwell about the past, okay? Let's just forget about all of this and start over, okay? So that's number 10. Number 11 is, I'm not angry. You know, they will literally rip and tear into you. You're afraid for your life. And and then you ask them, why are you so angry? And then they'll you'll, they'll say, I'm not angry. And, and you're literally like shaking. And they'll say, I'm... I'm not angry. I mean, it's almost scary sometimes, you know? So that's number 11. Number 12 is, this is why no one likes you. You know, this is one of those, you know, to make you think it's all about you. You're the one that has the problem. No one else to isolate you, to make you think you're the one who has the problem, not them. So this is why no one likes you. And, and you know, this is one of the worst ones because normally you also have your own core wounds. And so it really speaks to that and it makes it so much worse. So this is why no one likes you. So that's number 12. Number 13 is, can't you take a joke? Can't you take a joke? Come on, you know, kind of comes back to that ha thing. So that's number 13. And number 14 is let's forget about all of this. That's that future faking thing again. And number 15 is you're reading way too much into this. You know, it's again, your fault. Number 16 is Stop being so insecure. You're the one being so insecure. Number 17 is, I'm sorry you feel that way. I could do a whole video on faux apologies, which I have done, which you can definitely check out my other videos on narcissists, so faux apologies, 
Do narcissists really apologize? Mm, I wonder. So you can check that out, those other videos on that. And number 18 is, well, excuse me for trying to be wonderful to you. There's a guilt apology. So I call those guilt apologies. This is all part of that manipulation ship that you're in. Remember, everything a narcissist does is a manipulation. Everything they do, even when they love bomb you, it's a manipulation. Okay. And number 19, I guess I'm just a horrible person. I guess I'm just horrible. This is when they try to flip things around on themselves. You know, when you're asking for something, when you're trying to get them to feel anything about you, it's, I guess I'm just horrible. They turn it on themselves to be a victim. And then number 20, no one else loves you like I do. Again, trying to isolate you, trying to make you think that no one else loves you, only they do, right? Because they're afraid to be abandoned. Remember, narcissists are way more afraid of you than you are of them. Their biggest fear is that you're going to abandon them or expose them, which goes back to number 21. Number 21 is everyone else thinks and no one else thinks. So they have this whole thing and I have a whole video on narcissist favorite catchphrases, which you can definitely check out which they say these things all the time. Everyone else thinks this and no one else thinks that. Things that they say to isolate you, to make you think that you're the one who's crazy, not okay. And I want you to put this in the comments right now. It's not okay, these things that they're doing because they're trying to make you think that you're the one that's crazy. You're not. It's not you, it's them, which is why I want to get go into the 10 gaslighting techniques that narcissists use right now. Number one is invalidating your feelings, invalidating your feelings so that you think that you're, you know, not so sensitive. Don't be so sensitive, right? Invalidating your feelings. Number two, making you think that you had conversations that didn't take place. You know, we talked about that and you agree, don't you remember? You know you didn't have that conversation. If you knew you didn't have that conversation, stand up, say, we didn't have that conversation. You know, it's okay. You can say that. Number three, they take bits and pieces of conversations and then redesign them into new truths. So they fashion like parts of conversation and then say, oh, you know, we we talked about parts of that. And then they kind of make that into new truths, right? And that's not okay either. Number four is they isolate you by using those absolutes. Remember, everyone else and no one else. Not okay. Not okay. Remember, put that in the comments. Not okay. Number Five, isolating you by making you think that you're not lovable. 
I'm the only one who truly loves you. Your family doesn't really love you. Your friends don't really. Therefore, no one else would ever love you either. That's not true. And that's why you really do need a support system. That's why you really do. And that's why you really do need phrases for disarming narcissists, which I have for you. You can get it at disarmthenarc.com. Make sure you go to disarmthenarc.com, grab my free phrases for disarming narcissists. And you need a support system, by the way. So I have that too, which is Narcissist Negotiators with Rebecca Zung. That's my free private Facebook group. Make sure you join that too, okay? And I also have a sponsor on this channel, which is BetterHelp, which you can go to betterhelp.com forward slash Rebecca Zung and get the help and support that you need. We receive commissions when you sign up with them. It does not cost you any extra. We just want you to have access to the help and support that you need. So number six is making conversations and then making themselves out to be the victim of those conversations. Like, I guess I'm just horrible, you know, reversing that conversation, right? When you're trying to get them to see your side or have any feelings about you at all, uh, you know, I'm just the terrible one, you know, reversing that, that's not okay either. Number seven is interrupting conversations so that you can never get to the point of what it is that you're trying to say. Never the right time. It's too loud, etc. So that's number seven. And then number eight is never taking responsibility by, you know, wanting to take to to just move on, future fake you, move right to the new thing. And and just forgetting about the past that also invalidates your feelings and doesn't give you a chance to heal and feel acknowledged and feel valued and show them that you matter, right? That's also a form of gaslighting and that is not okay. So that's number eight. Number nine is making you think you're crazy by saying things like, I'm not angry when they're clearly angry. You know, you're imagining things, you're reading too much into things. That's also a form of of making you think you're crazy. And it causes this cognitive dissonance and this brain fog. Okay, so that's number nine. And number 10 is taking a lot of the focus off of what's going on with what they did by making a lot of noise around your behavior, blowing things up around your behavior and accusing you of all kinds of things when you didn't do anything, but they make a lot of noise around what you're doing because they want to take the focus off of themselves. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Negotiate Your Best Life. I'm Rebecca Zung. Tune in next week for another edition of Negotiate Your Best Life. 
Remember, if you want more ways to slay and you want more ways to be supported, you can always join my membership at joinslay.com forward slash slay. You can always subscribe to my YouTube channel and you can always grab my free Crush My Negotiation prep worksheet at winmynegotiation.com. Remember that today is a great day to start negotiating your best life and I will definitely catch you in the next episode of Negotiate Your Best Life. Thanks so much for listening. Hey, Slayers. I'm here to tell you about a new podcast I'm excited about. Creating Confidence, hosted by Heather Monahan, a part of the Yap Media Network, Heather sits down with experts like Gary Vee, Sarah Blakely, and Les Brown to share with you techniques and strategies to create your confidence, pursue your dreams, and leapfrog villains you'll meet along the way. Creating Confidence is about elevating your confidence to the highest level ever and take your business right there with you. Don't believe me? I'm going to share some of the amazing reviews that I've seen on Apple. Here's one. Heather has the perfect gems of wisdom that not only inspire you, but motivate you into action. I recommend it to anyone who wants to elevate their reach and go to that next level. How about that? That's amazing. Here's another one. Heather is so inspiring and each episode is filled with tips and tricks on how to become more confident and live the life of your dreams. So if you are looking to level up your confidence, check out Creating Confidence now. Subscribe to Creating Confidence with Heather Monahan today on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever your favorite podcast platform is.